Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and together we will get to take a look at what goes on behind closed doors. Today, I'm joined by Catherine Jane. Hi, my name is Catherine. I am a true love and empowerment coach, and I'm here to talk about my upbringing with my narcissistic mother and the effects it had on my relationships and having narcissistic relationships. Catherine Jane is a true love and empowerment coach who operates a program, Rebuild to Relationship. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Relationship Talks. As you would have heard in the introduction, we're here to talk about a narcissistic relationship with her mother and the impact that that had on her relationship with her ex. So, Catherine, I'm very curious to share your story with us from the beginning and let us know why you are here and what you want to talk about when it comes to that relationship with your mum. Once upon a time, I was a little baby, actually, and I was the youngest of six children. I was actually born for child support and for my mother's own selfish need to not remain in a abusive relationship on her own. Um, she obviously very quickly after that decided to divorce my father and move from one end of New Zealand to the other, separating from him and telling him only when she got there, they'd planned to move there together. Only when she got there telling him not to bother to come after the house had already been purchased and everything had been set up for her. Uh, then ensued in a legal battle, obviously, for years and years and years and years and years that went on most of my life. Um, and eventually with me spending very minimal time with my father, he's to me basically almost like a stranger. And the small amount of contact I did have with him was resulted in some violent episodes that I witnessed, which just further separated us in relationship as it was. My mum tried very hard at the beginning there to alienate us from my father. Yes, he had his faults, but he was also not as, I'd say, emotionally abusive as my mother was. My mother was quite happy to hurt him, to use him, to use his money, and to use us as pawns in her little game. So basically what I'm doing here is I'm kind of bringing awareness to how a lot of these kind of relationships are actually taking place all over the world inside homes. They do not discriminate against any kind of socioeconomic factor. You know, like they don't discriminate against race or anything of any kind. Anyone can be narcissistic and anyone can abuse their children. And obviously it's also generational and it has cycled through from quite far back. So, like, I fully believe that there is a lot of abuse happening in this world that's unaccounted for, that people just realize is an abuse. And that is the reason why so many people nowadays are struggling to have healthy relationships or just have a healthy relationship with themselves in general and also uh, continuing that generational cycle with their own children. Can I ask, because you've touched on a couple of points there that I want to circle back to, people being able to recognise that they're in unhealthy relationships comes from insight that there is something, you know, not going well here, that there is Mm -hmm. emotional abuse or that somebody is narcissistic or whatever that behaviour might be. How did you get that insight? Because you were brought up by your mum. And so, and with very little contact from your dad. So that is the world that you would have known how it existed. So how did you kind of 
move away and separate yourself from that? Um, I actually always felt like something was wrong. I was very different to my siblings. They were very loud, very physically violent, very aggressive. And like everyone, yeah, like I, I personally have taken on that trait as a yellow myself and working really hard to like not do that with my own children. But like, I always felt different. Like, and there was always comments being made by other family members and my siblings about how different I was to everybody else or jokes made about me being the milkman's child and things like that. So I always felt different and separated from them in general and felt like what was going on wasn't safe. I also was the recipient of a lot of um, physical abuse from one of my siblings, like right up until I was in my 20s. So I always knew that that wasn't healthy and that was really quite, you know, like not okay. I also got to go to boarding school when I was 15 and I got to be around a lot of different types of people or some more wholesome people, a lot of farming people, families and things like that. So they also... You know, I got to witness what real families were like and how other people actually got on. And um, I also noticed a lot too that even though my mum had a lot of cousins and even her sister and stuff like that, nobody wanted anything to do with us. And that was actually even prevalent on both sides of the family. On the times we did spend time with my dad, there was very little, I don't know, interaction by any extended family members. It sounds like from a very young age, you were very, you were very much an empathetic child and mm. that you could take on other people's feelings and emotions and you could sense that something wasn't quite right. What work did you do in your later years to really understand the impacts of that narcissistic relationship? I actually worked in a law firm. And I did a lot of like, so I started as receptionist and secretary, then legal executive. And I did a lot of typing for a lawyer for child. And so there were a lot of things that she would also mention and what she was saying, I'd look up and start looking into and realizing that there was a whole lot of stuff going on there that wasn't safe. My mom brought her work, or I guess, or clientage into that firm as well. So and it was a small firm, so they got to see what she was like firsthand as well. And they would also share with me how they felt, like if I was upset, that's one of those situations, what they thought and all of that and how it wasn't normal and their own experiences in regards to those sorts of things. But then as I got older, I actually went to Psychics was my first avenue. And it was actually a psychic that told me, that the guy I was with was narcissistic and that my mother was narcissistic and explained to me um, what exactly that was and how their behavior, you know, showed me, you know, like this is what narcissism is. These are the traits of it. This is how she's showing it. This is exactly what she's doing. And then, of course, it just opened up these floodgates, basically, of once you see narcissism, you can't not see it anymore in society or in people and like I was just shocked because I always knew my mum was what I referred to as like a psycho or just mean or my friends would say she's like the mean mum and stuff like that but I really saw it from a different different angle and I started like just noticing all of those traits as we were talking you know like if I was upset if she was upset you know like and I'd just be like so tell me how did it impact your relationship with your now ex 
So actually, when we got together, I wasn't talking to my mum because I was really upset with obviously her behavior that had happened before I got with him, actually. And he actually tried to force me back into relationship with her. And so that significantly impacted it because I was like, I don't want to talk to her. Like, she is just doing these things. I don't want it. You know, like, I guess what a lot of people would hear a lot of the time, oh, she's still your mum. She's still this, you know, like, you need to make an effort. But like, as you know, in a lot of those sorts of relationships, the other person doesn't make any effort. It's always just you. And so also when I started seeing him, it was like, oh, so after about six months, we broke up the first time. And then, yeah, that's when I went to the psychic and then he told me, and then we got back together. And then it, it was just him trying to manipulate everything. I think his focus on my mother was to deflect from himself and his behavior, but I couldn't not see his behavior. Like it was just too blatant. Yeah. And I think that comes back to what you said before is once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. Mm. And then I thought I would could try help him and try fix him. And how did that go for you? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> so with your mum, do you have any contact with her now? Absolutely not. No. Does she, has she ever met your children? Yes. So I had my daughter when I was 22. So I was pregnant at 21, 22. Yeah. So, and I stopped contact July 2020. Okay. So, and so what was that relationship like? Between the children and her? Yeah. So I raised my niece as well. So I have her. She's 17. So she had been around my mom for a long time. She didn't very much like her. There was incidents where, say, like my mother told her that her father wasn't her real father. Things like that that was weren't appropriate for her to be saying to her. Or, you know, like she would also start, I think it's like my mum really got into that competition with us as we were getting, like, especially as I got older, and especially as as my niece got older, and she is very beautiful. And my mum would be like, that's inappropriate for you to wear. Your shorts are too short. Your top's too tall. You know, like, and it was just like, she's just wearing the same things every other kid out there. But there was a significant need to belittle her and to start chipping away at her self-worth about who she was as a person and just even where she came from and everything like that. And like with my daughter, my my daughter was actually one of her favorites. So she was better with her than the others because my sister had these other children and my mother perceived them as... Uh, their other grandparents as having the better connection with the children than her. So she didn't care about those children. You know, it was all about, there was three that were her favorites and they were her special grandchildren, obviously. And yeah, it was, it was very, very odd. And as I say, like regarding narcissism, like you don't understand it. You're never going to understand it and you've got to get comfortable with that. Yeah, because otherwise it would just rip you to shreds. So, how was it for you when you'd made that decision to stop contact with your mum? <laughs> it was it was actually really empowering, to be honest with you, because I felt a lot of peace afterwards. I actually sold my house and moved away to the other side of town because my home was only like two blocks away from my mother's house. So it was a big deal for us. We just like packed up. She didn't know we were moving. 
you know, like a sold sign wasn't put out till we were basically gone and we just left and no one knew where we were. And that was really good until like some did find out where we were and then, but we have subsequently moved again. <laughs> now they don't know where we are. They have an idea of which area, yeah. but like they don't actually know where we are. And it's, it's, it's so peaceful. Yeah. You have no idea what it's like to just not have to deal with that drama every single day or having someone belittle you every single day. Cause like my mother came in on my birthday and I had some lollies and stuff next to me and she goes, oh, that's why you're putting on weight. You know, just little things like that just, just to, to keep, make you feel small. Yeah. 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 What made you make the decision? to stop contact like what was the straw that broke the camel's back for you for me it was her move towards the grandchildren um once she realized that none of her children were going to give her money or anything like that even though she has more than enough of her own um she started making comments about how selfish we all were and that if um she needed it she would hope that all the grandchildren would get together and put money in together to give to grandma. And I was just like, that's enough. I just can't, like, it's not their responsibility to look after you. You have more than enough money for yourself. You you just want to take from them just to take from them. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand that concept. We're meant to look after them, not them the other way around, you know? So... And there, and a lot of those kids are only really little, you know. They don't deserve to have to do that. So I actually went and I told them that um, not to do that if Grandma ever asks. But also, um, what happened actually is my sister was in a custody battle, and she wanted me to lie for her um, about abuse and to say that I had never seen her abuse anyone before or anything like that. And she was the sister that physically abused me my entire life and I said to her what do I say when they ask me about you and whether and have you abused me I said I'm not gonna lie for you my mum supported her like that's what you do for family and I just said I can't I can't be a part of this you want to alienate these children's father and he's done nothing wrong and it was just a repetition of our own childhood of what she did with us kids but my sister refused to see that because she's so so like my mother and the narcissistic side of things that she just could not she just would not she'd rather just hurt him as much as she could than think about her children and for me it was all about thinking about the children and ending that cycle for them that I just I just couldn't be around it anymore I just couldn't yeah it was just so sickening to me have you been able to re-establish your relationship with your dad my dad has called me on occasion. Um, he actually rang me the day before Christmas. And when I said to him that I felt like he hadn't done enough for us when I was growing up to protect me from my mother. And he was, he said to me that, oh, I gave you guys all the same. I was like, this isn't about money. This is about emotional, you know, protection, connection and all that sort of stuff. And he just flipped and said he wished that I died when I had the chance or something, which I'm guessing is when I was a baby or in the utero or something. And so that was, I was just like, nah, just don't talk to me anymore. But we are more open to him obviously contacting the kids because I know he's safer around them. Then he wouldn't say that to the children. What he says to me though is, 
a different thing because obviously him and I don't have a relationship really and never have so but he he hasn't contacted them from what I know and the children are very open with me they'll tell me if um grandma's messaged or dad's messaged or anything like that and it's fine like if he messages them that's fine or the kid you know if grandma messages but she doesn't she doesn't take an interest in them I suppose um, make sure that you are repeating the same cycles when it comes to your parenting. So for my parenting, this is yeah, it's been it's been hard. I'm not going to lie, and I do believe you know that first six years when I was young, I am really sorry to my daughter that I didn't know anything about this stuff then. Like I wish I could redo it. There are triggers in my own life that come out sometimes, and it can be quite overwhelming. I think the difference with me and so my parents is that I have a lot more control over it now than I ever did before and I can step back. I'm not afraid to say I'm sorry. I'm not afraid to go to the children and say that it's not okay for me to behave this way or to treat them this way or to yell at them or anything like that. You know, like I try so hard to build the children up as much as I can and tell them I'm proud of them and you know, like pat them on the back and sit with them in quietness or just share with them as much as I can or just try to be there emotionally and teach them about emotional intelligence and stuff like that. Because one of the biggest things when you're raised in an emotional abusive situation is that you have no connection to your emotions. So you have to reestablish that. And so I'm very much about like, talking about that sort of thing and just trying to be open about it and trying to get them to feel it because that's I feel like the biggest thing that's missing well my daughter was very emotional like reactively she has ADD so she can be quite impulsive and quite abrupt I guess like she kind of she can explode and she'll cry a lot um when I was when she was very little I used to say stop crying stop crying um like I know now that's because of my own toxic shame that I couldn't hold space for her because I couldn't hold space for myself emotionally. So now I won't say anything like that to her. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to just stand there. And if I need a space, I'll just walk away for a minute and come back and just be there with her through those things. It's a journey with that, 100%. Like, and I make mistakes and I don't try to say that I don't, you know, like, because I do, I do make mistakes and I have made um, some big mistakes in the past when it comes to that. And that hurts me, I think, more than it hurts her. But at the same time, I'm doing basically, I think, everything that I can to kind of rebuild anything that I may have hurt inside of her by just accepting and allowing and loving her for just who she is and not having any expectations around what kind of person I want her to be where you know like I had it forced on me um that I was going to be a lawyer basically and that was the approval and so I had to go be a lawyer and when that didn't happen you know there was a bit a lot of ridicule and criticism around that but you know like I just I don't even think about that stuff anymore I'm just like she's just going to be her and she's going to go into the world and she's going to find what lights her up and I'm going to encourage her to find what lights her up and we're not going to stress over any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. You know, and I'm just trying to accept that example. Yeah, but like it's kind of out there and what happens 
in the future will happen in the future and we've got hmm. no control over that, do we? And no, we and that's try and control it. No, but that's one of the biggest things that you do when you come from those sorts of childhoods is that need for control. Like I was extremely controlling. Like it had to be a certain way and the house is set a certain way and you know, like people had to behave a certain way and I didn't like it when people acted outside of what I thought was okay or how I thought I should act or, you know, like, so I was very rigid with things. But now I kind of just go with the flow a lot more than I used to because I just, one of the as I, one of the biggest things I had to learn too was that I don't control anyone or anything. I only can control my own choices and responses. And so that was a hard what type of work have you done to learn this? Um, so just a lot of like I became an NLP master practitioner and I think it was like 2019. Um, like so I started doing a lot of work around that. I got was getting coaching for probably like a couple of years before that where I was starting to dabble a little bit as it was starting to become more of a big thing. Um, realizing that a lot of that stuff wasn't working for me. Um, I did a lot of reading. Um I did a lot of obviously research online, but more than anything, I found that actual books were the thing that really helped me in finding the right kind of books um, around like shadow work and codependency. And um, I have a book about called Will I Be Good Enough? Um, Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers and stuff like that. And just like starting to get a little bit more information and a little bit more information and then just slowly working my way through it. But a lot of, yeah, NLP techniques on myself, a lot of meditations. I've done tapping. Um, you know, I listen to bilateral music now every night and I do a bit of shadow work while I listen to that. Um, I'm just constantly learning and practicing and integrating because if we don't integrate, the learning isn't worth it. So I just basically try to integrate everything that I can. So and a lot of self-love work made a big difference to me and emotional release so like just like the shaking and the like throwing your own little tantrums and stuff like that just to release the stuck energy in your body and that actually helped me quite a lot because there's a lot of stuck energy in my body from <laughs> obviously being very very angry and sad and stuff like that about my childhood and how things had turned out and a lot of grieving to do yeah well, when you can stop and look back and see what that childhood was like and what it could have been, mm. there would be a lot of grieving there. And that's the thing. It's more grieving what should have been than what was. Grieving that relationship that I should have received from my mother, the loving relationship, the well-adjusted one, that relationship I should have had with my father and my siblings. And, you know, like, because there was no relationship fostered between our siblings was to have a big age gap as well between like some older kids when my parents were in their 20s and then there was like me and my sister and mum was in her late 30s so there was a big disconnect there as well yeah mm. so do you have a relationship with any of your siblings now no no can you see any generational patterns from your mother and her upbringing mm -hmm. so my mother was raised by a woman who um they lived in like obviously like a farming community and stuff like that um, in the South Island. So, of course, it was very rural, very old school. Um, and she had, I guess she was like a woman before her time. <laughs> um, she had three children to three different people. Yeah. 
which is not really normal back then. And yep. then she was also married to who I say is my grandfather, but it's actually my step grandfather. And at one point left him and had the third child with a younger man in town. Mm -hmm. And that was adopted out because she couldn't look after it because she had mental health issues. And I thought, I don't know what exactly they were, but she was institutionalized a few times. She'd just disappear. Um, my mum said that she thinks that really she was just very sad, very depressed. She was very artsy, very crafty, very that kind of person. And when the second guy left her or he passed away, she kind of really shut down after that. And I think she was just very depressed about that situation and she just couldn't cope with life. And she died probably before her time as well. Her heart just stopped in her 50s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she was left by one man, left by another man, married my step-grandfather and then like <laughs> left him and then came back. And so there was a lot of this leaving and coming back and my mum being left and come back and kicked out of the house at 13 and lived with her grandmother and then left school at 14. And then, yeah, my mother had a child that was adopted out at a young age. And, you know, like there was all this weird stuff going on there. My mum said that her cousins didn't really want much to do with her then because she lived with her grandmother and they were jealous or something. I don't know, 100%. Yeah. You know, it's well before my time because my mum's in her 70s. Yep. But mm. you can see the patterns that happened from her childhood mm -hmm. to how she then parented. and um, Yeah. She was saying that her mother, oh, 100%, she said her mother was very cold towards her. She loved the sister of the one that father that died um like really like loved her and didn't care for my mother really at all because my mother's father left her with the grandmother and so yeah she was very cold towards her and treated her quite badly and therefore obviously they say narcissism starts at around five years old yeah. and all of those personality disorders come from emotional abuse so and disconnection from that personality so yeah, that all happens in childhood through toxic shame. So it just depends which way you go. Luckily for me, I went codependent. <laughs> Everyone else in my family went narky. So like it is very hard. But there are like 12 personality disorders on the spectrum as well. But also how lucky for your children that you were able to see that there mm. was something that was unhealthy and make the move towards bettering your life and their life mm, tell me exactly. about the work that you do with um women these days so basically what i'm doing like it's been quite a process because like i've moved from some different areas because as i've processed i've been like oh yeah i want to help people with that and then i want to help people with that but um it's kind of merged into like kind of a combination of overcoming codependence and learning to really love yourself and empower yourself in order to actually love others and, you know, like your relationships with everyone in general and love, um, find that romantic, uh, romantic partnership that you've been wanting your whole life. Because people come from like emotional abuse, they all they want is to be loved. But then yeah. like, obviously their adult relationships don't work out very well at all <laughs> because they've got all the stuff going on. Yeah, they yeah. haven't actually dealt with all the baggage that they're bringing with them. Mm. Yep. And there's a lot of complex stuff, yeah. So tell me one final question. What do you think the secret to a healthy relationship is? 
I honestly think that the secret to the happy relationship is honestly, it's love, but it's understanding what love really is and understanding it in a mature way because people say, oh, love's not enough. But actually, if you're receiving and giving love from what I know is the five A's, you know, through appreciation, acceptance, attention, um, allowing and affection. I don't know if I covered that one. I always forget one. I don't know what. (laughs) (laughs) like if you're receiving that and giving that and like fully open to it and with the open heart like you can have like beautiful relationships with like everybody like even a stranger on the street but like for a romantic one yeah you've got to be able to receive and give that in a mature way because people who are emotionally abused they often aren't very emotionally mature (laughs) especially if they haven't started that work Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a little, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you so much. It's been beautiful to be here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. If you can, I'd love for you to jump on and leave a review. And whilst you are at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please join me again next week when we get to take a look behind closed doors at someone else's relationship. But until then, I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and remember the choice is yours, so make today and the week the very best it can be.